and welcome to another edition of the Campus Hunger Project Podcast, where we examine the current issues college students are facing when it comes to food insecurity. I'm your host, Monica Sager. Today, we are talking with Priyanka Nathani, a student at Clark University who served as a media assistant at the Hunger Project over this past summer. Welcome, Priyanka. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and why the issue of food insecurity is so important to you? My name is Priyanka and I am a international development and political science double major at Clark University. And my deep passion and interest for food security started when I was really young. I grew up in India and I witnessed a deep disparity between the way that I was living and a lot of kids my age were living. So witnessing children my age beg for food and live a completely different reality than me really struck a chord. And I actually, when I moved to the United States, I found parallels in food insecurity here as well. So uh, watching children my age struggle as well with access to food, then learning and understanding more about the issue of food deserts and food swamps in the United States really helped propel my interest and and career trajectory into um, communications and effective storytelling within food and also my interest in going into policymaking to change the way that we talk about food sustainability and to encourage conversations that food and hunger are vital uh, issues that are happening here locally in the United States too. Are food deserts and swamps a thing that exist in India as well when you see that parallel? Yes, absolutely. You can see a McDonald's um, on one side of the street and children starving on the other. And so this disparity between unhealthy, uh, affordable food versus healthy and very expensive food is this big divide and dichotomy in Indian society, but also in the United States. And I think we're seeing that paralleled across a lot of countries um, around the world is this malnutrition on both ends of the spectrum, whether it's eating from a food swamp like a McDonald's, um, a fast food chain, and then also this aspect of food deserts, which you're not having enough access to food. And it's COVID has really highlighted the issue of food deserts because um, with lack of transportation and lack of funding and lack of programming with food access, people are starving. And in one of my classes, we're talking about the issue of food deserts and college students and how because cafeterias are closed and restaurants, students are not having adequate access to food. So how did all of this lead to you getting involved with the Hunger Project? So my aunt, who is deeply impassioned by the issue of food and combating hunger, introduced me to the Hunger Project uh, a couple years ago with my newfounded um, interest in going into food policy and communications. I reached out to the Hunger Project and ended up working with my advisor. Her name is Sarah Wilson, and she's a phenomenal advocate for food rights, working on effective storytelling and communications, materials for programming across Uganda, Mexico, India, and even in the United States is just kind of understanding and um, creating effective tools for how we talk about food security. That's really amazing. 
Can you speak to what effective storytelling might look like? Absolutely, yeah. As someone who um, is new to this field, I, I've never really even studied communications or even film. Um, but my interest and my study in international development really partnered well with this because uh, when we look at development or we look at um, trying to combat such a large issue like hunger, um, we have to look at the people behind um, the issue. Who, who is the demographic? Um, what are their stories? Um, what do they care about? What are their needs? Um, and how to put them at the forefront of advocacy. Um, so working with the Hunger Project um, really encouraged that role of instead of being the storyteller, allowing others to tell their own stories, um, allowing others to um, up uplift their own voices and stories that are often left marginalized or unheard or untold. Um, so I was working uh, with women in Uganda and Mexico um, on a film um, and we did a Zoom um, interview with them and it was uh, amazing to sit and listen and to empathize um, with others about their experiences and their journeys with hunger. Um, so I think that effective communications and effective um, storytelling at the heart of it is listening. Um, it is empathizing and also allowing others to have the platform to be their own storytellers. And why do you think it's so important to be highlighting issues like these through social media and technology? Yeah, social media is a really powerful tool because I think that it creates accountability and responsibility. Um, we saw this with BLM and with the Me Too movement um, and how social media was mobilizing um, and um, collaborating and partnering so many different people from different backgrounds and, and how it just created this like advocacy effort um, to highlight issues. So I think when we talk about like human rights and social media, um, social media is a tool and um, it can be really important um, and instrumental in coordinating um, a lot of different advocacy, like learning about the protests this summer through social media and the amount of people that showed up and took responsibility and wanted to be a part of the movement was really inspirational. Um, but of course, while it's a tool, I don't think it's the only tool. And I think that there's a lot of discourse and conversation around how um, on social media, there's a lot of uh, performative wokeness or slacktivism. Um, and how people believe that by like liking, sharing, or retweeting something that they are um, doing their role or their part in activism. Um, so I think that that's not enough. Um, so social media can really mobilize people, but I think it needs to be partnered with fundraising or campaigning or volunteering. Um, so that we can get voices out there and heard. Do you have any experience of pairing your communication tool sets with funding and things like that? I 
studied abroad in Thailand last spring. Before the pandemic, I was working in a community um, in um, the Isan region up north. And I was living and staying with them and I had my camera. Um, and mind you, like I've never studied communications or film, um, but we would sit down with villagers and interview them about um, their advocacy in land rights because the community that we were staying with, um, they were facing government evictions um, because they were living on land that belonged to the government, but this was their ancestral land. So there was a lot of conflict um, between government and community members. Um, and so we were interviewing and listening and, and, and just trying to hear their perspectives and, um, and, and see their advocacy work. Um, and I had this like realization that these are such powerful stories and they should be recorded. So I took out my camera and just recorded these sessions and and at the end of it um when i came home from the uh pandemic um i just put together a short um documentary on these different stories um and that ended up becoming a really powerful tool um of of kind of highlighting these voices um and my friends and i who um were in this community created a fundraising effort and we raised a thousand dollars for um, this organization and community members so that they could continue their advocacy efforts. Um, so I think that this kind of like grassroots approach was really important, creating a film or photos or any kind of social media with fundraising is really powerful because it helps people relate to one another. So if you're looking at a video or a photo of a place, a time, a memory, it helps create like a bond or an empathy with that experience. And I think that it's really important when trying to raise money for a cause. That's all amazing. <laughs> now you said about just talking to these people, but how do you find people for your videos? And I know this can also be transferred then to people who might be doing writing. It's all probably around the same lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for videos, the experience that I've had this year, I've been working with a couple organizations. So in Thailand, when I was there, um, I was working with a local um, nonprofit. So uh, when we were in the communities and living there, we were um, discussions and like interviews were being facilitated by the nonprofit. So it was kind of like this partnership that I had with the nonprofit and the community members. Um, so that's how we can create like trust and, and create like a responsibility around sharing these stories. Um, and for the hunger project, it was also through the organization of the hunger project of like their role and partnership with other communities or other advocates and leaders and how that kind of partners with my interest in communications um so yeah i usually find people who are interested to express themselves or share their stories through an organization um because i think it creates more credibility and trust um and and yeah, and then it also highlights the role of the organization and their advocacy too. That definitely makes sense. 
And can you speak to the impact that you've seen through your projects? I know you spoke a little bit about that one from Thailand, but in general, what kind of impact does the video make? Yeah, I think that videos and photos um, as visual narratives have a really powerful impact because when you look at data or you look at variables or statistics, they're really important um, important information in order to help with funding or um, health population data or policy making. So data is imperative, but um, I think so are visual narratives. And I think a lot of the times visual narratives are overlooked in their impact. Um, and I think a lot of policymakers or leaders tend to gear towards data. Um, and throughout, through my experience of working with people, I find that photos and videos create a lot of relatability and familiarity um, and comfort in ways that like, it's almost like nostalgic to look at photos and videos and remember a time of, um, of your childhood or memories. Um, so when I, when engaging with like visual narratives, I think that, um, I think that it creates a lot more empathy because you're thinking, when you look at a photo, you're looking at a place, a time, a memory of a person. Um, you might be able to hear sounds or see colors and try to like maybe visualize a smell um, or not visualize a smell, like, you know, just step into, step into someone's shoes um, for a moment. And so I think that creates a lot more relatability. Um, and it helps you kind of understand like who is behind this data? Um, what are their names? What are their stories? Um, what do they care about? Um, yeah, so I think it creates a lot of relatability and compassion and empathy in ways that I don't think statistics or data can really compare to. You mentioned that policymakers often are doing their work based off of the statistics, though. Do you think there's a way to almost implement videos and graphics and stories of that sort into what our policymakers are seeing and listening to and really making the decisions off of? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that I think our generation is a lot more geared towards um, visual storytelling and social media. And if you look at like AOC, she's like on social media and really present with um, BIPOC voices and things like that. So I think that it might be a generational thing in trying to encourage um, people to be more attuned to how stories um, and visuals can impact data. Um, I think that another way is that a lot of organizations, um, UN organizations, um, focus on stories um, and visualizations to help their campaigning efforts. So even like the Hunger Project has several videos and photos um, to help compel people to donate and participate in their campaigning. And I think that's really important and vital as like a person who may donate. But I also think it's really important and vital for policymakers to sit down 
and to understand stories or experiences of individuals that they're making policies about or that they're going to give funding to. Um, and I really think that at the heart of it, it's about like stepping into other people's shoes and, and trying to understand experiences from a different reality. So whether going to the country and experiencing that or um, listening to stories um, or watching documentaries or like being a part of conscious consumerism on social media and like intentionally watching videos or uh, documentaries on different cultures um, and about different social issues. So I think that it's really important. Um, and I do think our generation is moving more towards that because we're more social media uh, in the age of social media. Now, almost on the flip side then of your videos, how do you ensure that people are seeing them? Yeah, I think visibility is really hard to gauge because it is, you can't force people to um, engage with something. And in media, it's almost like this dichotomy because we have a choice to engage in certain media, but then there's also this like, part where social media can also be drowned out by a lot of other information. So for example, over the summer from like June, July, August, September, there was like a lot of momentum with BLM. And then as the holidays started to roll, or, uh, roll around, there was like visibility was lost. The question about how to engage people um, can be really challenging because I think momentum can be picked up and people get passion, impassioned and they really care about certain issues. Um, but I think that those who really, really care continue the movement and those that are um, more kind of like flowing with um, the social media wave and the movements often forget that these issues are still present. So I think that, I think that engaging individuals who are really, passionate about projects, like passionate about food security, passionate about land rights or, or education. And I think that that is it, like we need to keep mobilizing and keep encouraging conversations and normalizing it that like, let's talk about social justice. Let's like, let it be a part of our social media. Let it be a part of our daily conversations. And yeah, continue the momentum because I think that things get exciting and think people get excited to help. Um, but after a couple months, um, there's fatigue or there is almost this like new wave of a movement that people join. So it's challenging, but I think that it's it's possible to keep people engaged and interested. I love that tidbit, though. Thank you. And I think that leads me to my last question then for you, Priyanka, is there anything else you'd like to add about storytelling, videoing, advocacy in general, and leave our audience with? I think something that was really important that I realized is that you don't need to study communications or you don't need to um, necessarily have like an extensive background to be a part of the movement. Um, and that if you are impassioned or really care about a certain issue, getting involved in, in taking photos or making videos or even writing, if you really care about something, 
go ahead and do it and just be a part of of the movement and experience um, of an issue that you really care about. That hunger and communications go hand in hand and that we do have the power to combat um, food insecurity through effective um, conversations and storytelling um, and that I think everyone should be a part of that conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Priyanka. I love all of the tips that you gave us, and I'm so amazed by di the different work that you've done so far. It seems so influential, and I can't wait to see what else you got in store. Thank you so much, Monica. You too. This is incredible. Um, I'm just so, so happy that um, you have taken this project on and are highlighting food security. That's it for today. I'm Monica Sager. See you next week for our next episode of the Campus Hunger Project Podcast.